Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. We are dealing with the law of confession. And in Matthew chapter 12, I will be reading from verses 33 through 37. Jesus said there again, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil... Speak good things, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idol, that's useless, dead, and unproductive word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Verse 37, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now I want you to notice that. He said, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Your words come from what you hear. Amen? And that's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 verse 24, He said, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. That works for everything. Whatever you listen to, you begin to increase in knowledge, revelation, and wisdom in those areas. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. See, some people just constantly listen to the radio or they just have stuff on. And I tell you what, they can preach stuff to you. They can preach from the radio everything that's going on in the world and why things are the way they are and everything else. They live defeated lives, but they know everything. <laughs> you're with me because the more you listen the more things grow in you and so the more and more you begin to gain insight and understanding and a kind of a revelation whether good or not good whether you're depositing good things or evil things that depends on what you're hearing and what you're taking in are you all with me amen so once you make that decision it's, it's your decision what you listen to who knows what I'm talking about amen Alright, what I want to do is I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 4 today. Let's have a look at a particular situation. And let's see how this works. I want to draw your attention to some things as we read through. 2 Kings chapter 4, we'll begin in verse 8 again. It says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Now look, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand, so it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Now, he didn't ask for this. Alright, now this is costing this person money. This is renovations. <laughs> okay, so she's willing to renovate her house and feed him and put a bed there, allow him to stay the night, whatever. I mean, this is something that she's doing out of the goodness of her heart. Are you all with me? She's planting a seed, alright? And you know what? You can never be a debtor to God. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Amen? Alright. And so it says here, 
And it happened one day that as he came there, that he turned into the upper room and lay down there. So one day he came there and she let him know what all was going on and he was thrilled. Now we're going to find out that his servant goes everywhere with him. So not only does she have to put him up, but the servant up as well. So there's two people, you know, the man of God and his little entourage. Are you all with me? Okay, (laughs) all right. Verse 12. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, see, servant's with him, call this Shunammite woman. When he called her, she stood before him. Now, remember he's in his room. So it's not good for her to come into his room, so she's outside. Alright? It's not that he's being rude, it's not right etiquette, you know what I'm saying? Alright? Okay, that's kind of his bedroom now. And uh, he said to, this is Elisha said to Gehazi, Say now to her, look, you have been concerned with us with all this care. What can I do for you? Whenever you do something for God, that's the first thing he's going to ask you. See, a lot of us are going to God. We don't want to do anything for God. We just want God to do stuff for us. That's why Jesus says, give and it will be given. Do you hear me? You do the giving first and then it will come back. Alright. Now, he says, do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. Literally, she said, my family takes good care of me. Alright, verse 14. So he said, what then is to be done for her? See, see, again, we're talking through Gehazi. Gehazi's in the doorway. She's outside, you know, she can't come in the room. So we're having this conversation going backwards and forwards, all right? Just so you know what's happening. Otherwise, you're going, what is going on? All right. So he says, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi's answered and said, actually, she has no son. And her husband is old. Oh, we know this one. Okay. <laughs> so he said, Call her. And when he had called her back again, she stood in the doorway. So she's not, still not going to come in. Alright? She stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. A lot of times, God will give us stuff that we can't even imagine to ask. Because that has been dead and gone a long time. God is a God of resurrection. Hear me. Isn't it interesting? He didn't look at what was possible and plausible in the natural. So much of the time, we have given up on things. And when God even mentions it, we're taken back and almost offended. And even maybe angry at Him that now you want to do this when I'm this old. We need to be careful that we're not doing that with God because so much of the time we're believing God for things that we think is okay and possible. But God is God. To Him, all things are possible. And the problem that we have is we don't line up with that. And we are still, even today, having difficulty with that. We still have trouble lining ourselves up with the impossible. Are you all with me? Amen? I know I do. I'm just telling you from personal experience. I still have issues about some of the things God tells me to do. And He will never ask you to do something that is possible. Because then only you get the glory. His job is to say, let's do this. And your first response generally would be, oh, that's impossible. He goes, yeah, let's do that. 
<laughs> okay? Then everybody will know there's a God in your life. Are you all here? Amen? All right. So, <laughs> let's move on. And she said, No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Verse 17, But sure enough, the woman conceived and bore a son. There it is. When the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day. Now see, just because you get your miracle, doesn't mean everything is going to be well for the rest of your life. One of the biggest mistakes that we make is once we get blessed, we go on vacation. (laughs) We think, okay, we got that now. Let's just relax. That's the worst thing you can do. Okay? You never take a break from faith. You never take a break from trusting God. You never turn your back on the devil. Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He will stab you in the back, dude. I mean, as soon as you turn your back, he'll go, ha ha, target. He doesn't fight fair. You all here? Okay. All right. So, it says, and the child grew. Now it happened one day that... He went out to his father, to the reapers, verse 19. And he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon, and then he died. Verse 21. And she went up. Now watch what she does. Watch what she does. And she went up. And laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Very unusual activity. Okay? Normally, you'd be crying and weeping and making funeral arrangements. Look at what she does. She takes him upstairs, because you know what? God gave her this kid. Do you understand? The man of God said, you're going to have a kid. So she takes him and puts him on the prophet's bed. And it's like, God, this is your problem. Do you hear me? It wasn't my problem. This is, I didn't ask for this kid. (laughs) Okay? And don't you give me one of those, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Forget that. That's not how God works. That's a bad God, man. I mean, you know, who wants to serve a God like that? I'm serious. That was said in unbelief, by the way. (laughs) So, you know, she says, God gave this to me, so I'm going to stick this right where the man of God sleeps. We're going to leave him there. This isn't over yet. Now, watch her. This This is incredible. Watch what she does. She shut the door upon him. You know what she's doing? I'm not looking at this. This is not my problem. And it says, and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. Husband doesn't know he's dead yet. Remember, he died on her knees. When he died, she just took him and put him on the bed. She didn't go crying to her husband and say, Oh my Lord, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. I'm sure the husband said, see, you shouldn't have, you know, if we never built that thing to begin with. 
and he didn't give you this false hope, none of this would be happening right now. Hello. Can we just get real right now? Because we do that, you know, we just go in all kinds of directions. <laughs> so you know what? Let's not get people that can't believe involved. Do you hear what I'm saying? So she takes him. She knows she's got the faith. Puts him in the bed. Shuts the door. Nobody's going in there. And said, send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon. See, he doesn't know. Okay? Nor the Sabbath. And she said, because he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. Ah, uh, brother, uh, that's not in the Bible. That's exactly right. But it's in everybody's vocabulary. <laughs> okay? By your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. <laughs> okay? My God, we're good at stating the obvious, aren't we? And you know what? The devil has trained us to do that. Well, we're just being logical. No, you're killing yourself. And you are agreeing with what has gone wrong in your life. You can't do that. Okay? It's tempting. I know. Because it stands there and screams at you. And you just want to say something. Do I get a witness? Everything in, inside of you wants to say, this is what happened. We almost want somebody to, you know, suffer with us. It's like, I'm suffering. Come over here and suffer with me. Okay? It's a thing we do, man. You know, we do. Okay? Because believing is hard. And believing sometimes is all by yourself. But that's where the reward is. That's where the miracle is. That's where God steps in. Let's keep going. All right. <laughs> so she said, it is well. She didn't say he's dead. Husband says, why are you going? She said, he says, it's, it's not any special day. All she said was, it is well. One of the translations say, she said, it's all right. You take whichever one works for you. Amen? That's all she said. It is well. Jesus goes to the house of that little girl who was dead and says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. Oh brother, was that soul sleep? No, she was dead. <laughs> okay? But you know what? He's going to raise her up. And he's going to do what you would do to someone that was asleep. Remember how he says, young girl, arise. That's all he said. One word, arise. And she's up. Okay. Let's go on. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. She says, don't worry about me. You go as quick as you can. I'm sure the servant would have said, is there something wrong? It's not here, but you understand. Someone would have been going, what's up? And she just said, just go. She's watching what she's saying, all right? And so she departed, I'm in verse 25, and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was, when the man of God saw her afar off, this is incredible, 
that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman. Verse 26, he says, Please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? What did she say? It is well. Alright? She says, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, No! He died! <laughs> okay? Because you so want to say that. Watch what she says. It is well. Okay. Verse 27. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him. Now we're there. She caught him by his feet, but Gehazi, Gehazi is a bad guy, okay? He's, he's a servant, but he's not a nice person. Okay, later on we're going to find out that, you know, Naaman comes. Remember Naaman with leprosy? And Elisha heals him, tells him to go dip himself in the river Jordan. Remember all that? Okay. And he gets a little upset. A, because Elisha didn't come out. <laughs> and B, it's a terrible place to go dip yourself. It's dirty. Okay, so... <laughs> and he, but he goes and does it anyway. You know, after somebody convinces him to go do it. And then, because, and he said, what can I give you? He comes back and says, what can I give you? And Elisha says, nothing. You know why? Because he doesn't want this man to think that he bought his help, that you can buy things from God. Whatever we receive from God is a gift. And after he sends him off, Gehazi runs after him and says, Oh, oh, my master changed his mind. There are some people that have come that are poorly off and said maybe we can have some of the things that you said for them. He lied. And when he comes back, Elisha says, Where have you been? And Gehazi says, Oh, nowhere. <laughs> and he says, You lie. <laughs> he said, You went to Naaman. I saw you. He said, I, My heart, my spirit went with you. It was a terrible thing he did because you know what? Now Naaman has a different idea. And he said, Naaman's leprosy is now on you. So that's Gehazi. Let's get back to this. He ain't there yet. All right, so, <laughs> so just to give a little insight into this guy. All right, so she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone. For her soul is in deep distress now. He's noticing something is up here. And the Lord has hidden it from me, he says, and has not told me. Isn't that interesting? This is the prophet that knows what's going on before it happens. And he says, this is very interesting. God hasn't told me about this. Okay, let's keep going. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say... Do not deceive me. Then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. So obviously she has communicated to him. It doesn't say she did. I almost believe he knew what was going on. Suddenly the door opened. Suddenly he could see. Alright? Let's just keep going. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I can just see Elisha going, Okay, either we have this woman hanging off my foot for the rest of the day, or I need to go back with her. 
Amen. Let me just say this. Once you grab a hold of God, don't let go. Your job is to get to God. Your job isn't to, to make the miracle happen. Did you catch what I just said? A lot of us are trying to make the miracle happen. All you have to do is get to God. You get to God. That's your job. Get to God. Be still and know that He is God. Get to Him. Because if you get to Him, the miracle is there. And so she says, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. She is setting the terms. Can you see this? She went to him. She clung on to... He said, everything all right? She said, it is well. One way or the other, it is well. <laughs> okay? You're going to come and make it is well happen. Okay. All right. <laughs> Verse 31. Now Gehazi went ahead of them and laid the stuff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Isn't this interesting? This wound is very insightful. Okay? And so, therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. So they're still on their way there. When Elijah came to the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. On his bed. On whose bed? It wasn't the kid's bed. It was his bed. Alright? Okay. <laughs> he went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Didn't ask any questions. He just started praying. Amen? And so it says, He prayed to the Lord, and He went up and lay on the child, and put His mouth on His mouth, His eyes on His eyes, and His hands on His hands, and stretched Himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth, in the house, and again went up, so he's, he's gone down, okay, so he's done this one time, alright, he went back and forth in the house, went up again, stretched himself out on him, then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Notice, he did it once, and isn't it interesting, he didn't go, okay, well, keep him well fed and whatever, and if, you know, if, if it gets worse, call me. Don't leave until it's finished. If you're praying, if you're doing something, stick with it. Amen? He wasn't willing to let go. So, so he does this. The child sneezed seven times. child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. I guess Gehazi would have been going, Thank God that worked. And he says, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her and she came in to him. And he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Notice what she does first. She honors him first. That's very unusual too. She didn't run to the sun. Can we be real here for a minute? Everybody wake up, okay? <laughs> okay. If you see your kid come back to life, what prophet? You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> You'd go straight to the kid and grab him and go, Oh, thank God, you're alive. Are you all here? Watch what she does. She does something that we miss so much of the time. When the blessing comes, we're so thrilled about it, we forget to go back to God and say thank you. Remember the ten lepers? Huh? Only one came back. Jesus said, wasn't there ten of you? And the one that came back, listen, 
He restored everything to him. A lot of people miss that in that story. The others got healed, but this guy, everything he lost, he got back. And so, by this woman going to the man of God, she acknowledged God as her answer. She acknowledged God as the one that brought about the miracle. It shows you that she had her eyes on God from the beginning. She wasn't moved by what she saw. She was moved by what she believed. What did she believe? It is well. Now, I really want to get on to this. James chapter 3, please. I don't want to deal with an incident like this and then leave you hanging. James chapter 3. How do you get this thing to work? Let's begin reading in verse 1. James says, he says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. Now listen to this. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or woman, able to bridle the whole body. Let's stop there for a minute. He has just defined somebody that is perfect in God's eyes. Is somebody that watches what they say. And he says, if you can watch what you say, your whole life, your whole body will come into line. You will have control over everything in your life. Are you all with me? Now, can I say this right at the beginning? I'm not preaching this from a point that, hey, I've made it. <laughs> okay? If I did, you'd have to all come and, you know, cast out the lying spirit from me. Alright? <laughs> we are all working our way through this. We are all on different levels. Hear me, okay? And so he's saying, this is the key to perfection. He is saying, if, watch this again, he says, if anyone does not stumble in word, if you do not stumble in word, that woman didn't stumble in word. She had every opportunity to say the way things were, she decided not to. She decided to call things that be not as though they were. She said, it is well. Amen? All right. Indeed, he says, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. I want to read verse 4 and come back to verse 3 because I want to make comparison here. And he says in verse 4, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Now, what's the difference between these two verses? In verse 3, we have a horse. A horse isn't a ship. Okay? <laughs> a horse is something small. A horse is something that when we put a bridle, when we put, you know, when we pull on the reins, it will listen to us. You're about to go off a cliff, you can stop the horse straight away. If you're in a ship, you're off the cliff. <laughs> okay? The thing won't stop that quickly. So one is talking about something small and very controllable, and the control is almost immediate. Can you see this? Alright? And with the ship, we're talking about something very large. And whatever corrections you make, it takes time for the thing to respond. You can't do it like a quick U-turn with the ship. Are you all with me? Okay, you guys need to catch this. Otherwise, you're going to miss what I'm going to say. There are some things in your life that as you speak, it will happen almost straight away. There are things in you that you can change almost immediately. Immediately. 
You're having a bad day, there is a way to change that almost immediately. By your words, by what you say, you can start turning that thing almost immediately. Your words control how your body reacts. Do you know athletes do that? Do you know athletes, say, they speak to themselves. Thinking, I don't even know why everybody else turned up, because I'm going to win. Okay, I'm going to run like the wind and I don't care what gets in my way. I will get to the line before everybody else does. We're not looking for second place. Are you all with me? Why? Because your body responds to that. And if you keep saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, you won't. Did you know that Your body is built in such a way that by your words, by your thoughts and your words, you actually control it. We don't realize that. The enemy has done everything to to take away our confidence in what we say and how that affects things. He's done everything to do that. And we need to take that back now. So what this is saying, first of all, so let me deal with this now. There are some things in your life that you can change almost immediately. You have a bad attitude, you can change that. You don't have to have a bad Don't be stubborn. If you want to be stubborn, be stubborn that you're going to have a good attitude. <laughs> okay? And nothing's going to get in the way of that. That's a good stubbornness to have. One, you know, one time when I was a lot younger, I, I, <laughs> you know this is a bad story, right? <laughs> I used to almost envy people that could hold a grudge. I was in a pastor, okay? And so I thought, I'm going to try and do that. Uh, if somebody does me wrong, I'm never going to forgive them. And I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm going to be mean and nasty. That lasts about 10 minutes. And I thought, this is too much work. <laughs> and I just moved on. Come to find out, your whole system is wired for love, not for strife. And the more you hang on to that stuff, the more it destroys you. It literally destroys you. On a cellular level, it destroys you. Do you hear what I'm saying? So you know, when Jesus said love, He was saying, this is how I made you. If you want to flourish, then do this, because the circuits work best that way. You do the other, and you start to damage yourself. Science is proving this out, by the way. I'm, I'm talking scientifically now. Okay, alright, let me be a scientist for a minute and then I'll go back to this. All your internal circuitry responds to everything that the Bible says. The reason is, the Bible is our operating manual. Do you hear me? You know, when you buy a car, you want to see how it works? Check the manual. Have you ever got your car back and they disconnected the battery and what do you lose? All your radio stations. <laughs> okay, and you go, what happened? And then it, when you turn it on, it says, please enter the code. What code? You know what? Find the manual. There is a code. And you hope to God nobody changed the code. <laughs> okay? And thankfully it was there. But you know what? That thing told me how to get what I needed. This is our book. It has all the codes in it. It tells us how to get things. And it's showing you now what you need to do. You have a situation that is you, you can control that almost immediately by what you say. 
Amen? But what happens when it's a big situation? What happens when it's not a horse anymore? What happens when it's a ship? It's massive. Don't use the horse rules for the ship. Because all you're going to end up with is disappointment. What happens? Now, can we use our imagination? Is it too early in the morning? Are we all good? Okay, alright, let's use our imagination now. Imagine under the ship, alright? The person, the captain at the top, turns the wheel. We go back to the ship and we see the rudder start to turn. Okay? Now what's happening, whether it's one, two, three, four, whatever it is, what, what, what's happening now? The water is hitting the rudder and bouncing off of it. The direction in which the water bounces, Newton's third law, okay, every action has an equal opposite reaction. As much as the water is bouncing off in that direction, it's pushing the ship in the other direction. Are you all with me? Forget Newton's law. Okay, just, that's what happens. <laughs> Some of you are going, what? I failed that course. Never mind. All right, so <laughs> as you turn, all right, the rudder turns in. So this is what's happening. The water is hitting it and pushing it. But, you know, there's so much ship the thing is tons and tons that that little rudder pushing the water in that direction, it's going to take a while before the ship starts to turn. And it will turn very slowly. Amen? Normally on the ocean, you don't need to make a sharp left. <laughs> you can say, <laughs> you can see far enough not to hit anything except the Titanic. Let's not go there. All right? But generally speaking, okay, you can see for miles. And if you see something coming up, you start turning now because by the time you get there, you'll be over there. But if you only turn, you better not wait till you get right up to the rock. Amen. So, this, so what happens is as you turn, just like in the circumstance of your life, you start to plow the water. Your mouth is turning the rudder. Your ship still looks like it's going in the same direction. Give it some time. Your mouth is plowing and plowing and plowing the water. And it's pushing and pushing and pushing this thing. Wouldn't it be sad if the, the captain turned the wheel and you know, waited like 30 seconds and said, This isn't working. And just let the wheel turn back. The ship would have started to move and then it would just... That'll be it. That's all it went. Are you all here? There are times we need to plow the water. And it's not going to be one thing. It's going to take repetition. It's going to take diligence. And don't give up. We are not a people that should be moved by what we see, only by what we believe. Jesus said, if you believe and if you don't doubt, then this mountain will move. James said, if you start saying this thing, whatever massive ship, whatever situation and circumstance that is in your life, no matter how big the thing is, it will start to change. You may not see it, but it will start to change. Are you all with me? Plow the water. Just keep plowing the thing. It will change. And you might not see big things. And the devil, will, I will guarantee you, do everything to convince you nothing is happening. Because he's a flesh devil. He, you know, he'll try to get you focusing on what you're seeing. And shouldn't you just, you know, why is this happening? You need to say, shut up. It is well. It is well. Amen? That's the only confession that needs to be coming out of your mouth. It is well. One way or the other, it is well. <laughs> okay? And can I just say this? 
I know you get worn out through the week. I know as the week goes on, it's easy to say it in church. What happens when it's quiet? What happens when it's just you? Remember the first analogy. You can change you. The first thing you have to do is you need to turn you. After you turn you, then turn the ship. Amen? And if you're in the wrong direction, fix you first. Sometimes we try to go beyond what we are capable of doing and we're ready for, and it can become frustrating. Let's look at this again. I'll be five minutes. Can you give me five more minutes? All right, let's finish here, all right? It says, look also at the ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. That very small rudder is your tongue. Okay? Wherever the pilot desires, wherever you want the thing to go, you have control over the thing. As long as you don't take your hand off the wheel. You keeping your hand on the wheel is you continuing your confession. You continuing to say, this is how it's going to be. This is how it will be. There are some things, family, that needs time. And it needs you to persist. A lot of times we think, oh, you know, we just need to pay the pastor and he'll do everything. Okay? There are things that only you can do. Because it will take time. Are you all with me? And so you need to be diligent about those things. You need to have faith the mountain will move. And you need to believe and speak. Believe and speak. Believe. Don't just speak. You have to believe and speak. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Mark eleven twenty three, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass. Then he will have whatever he says. Do you understand? That's how you turn the ship. Now, here comes a warning. Verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles a whole body and it sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. You might say, oh, that doesn't help. Listen, your tongue can either bless you or be set on fire by hell. It can either move the ship or it can cause all kinds of problems in your life. Do you hear what I just said? Be careful because this is now talking about the tongue that doesn't stick with what God is saying. Now, please, I don't want you to walk out of here feeling bad because, you know, last week you said really something bad and everything. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a lifestyle. Amen. I'm not talking about a moment in time where things kind of went wrong. And you know what? God's big enough. He won't fall off the throne just because you got a little upset. You just, you know, if you need to spit the dummy, go for it. That's the safest place to do it. (laughs) Okay? He'll be right with it. He'll be fine. And when you're done, we can move on. At least you're with Him, not somewhere else. Amen? If you go somewhere else, this is what happens. You allow... Satan, to set your tongue on fire, and it will not do any good. You will destroy everything you've been working for. Amen? If you say, brother, I've done that, what do I do now? Oh, hallelujah. Thank God, First John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, if we acknowledge it, He is faithful and just to forgive us, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Until the devil says, but remember, and God says, no, I don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> Amen? You need to understand when God forgives, He forgets. And if you've had a bad experience and a bad situation, you just say, God, I'm so sorry. He'll go, no problem. Let's go on. God wants you to move on. He wants you to get that miracle. Not one time did Jesus say to anybody that came to Him, I'm not going to heal you. Not one time. Regardless of what they did. You know why? Because we were made in the image and the likeness of God. And this God is trying to get us back to that. He is not looking to punish us. There is somebody else that is. Alright. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. See now? He's making the, the comparison here. My brethren, these things are not be so. Don't have both life and death coming out of your mouth. As Deuteronomy says, choose life. Amen? And when it gets difficult, go back. Look at yourself. Take a time out. And then get back in the saddle, so to speak. Get back on the ship. Turn the rudder. I will guarantee you, you will receive what you are believing for. Amen? I'm not telling you when. I'm just telling you, you will. When? is up to you and God. His perfect time, and you don't quit. And is it ever too late? Never. It's never too late. Amen? Amen. Alright, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.